Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Rose Podcast. Coming at you with a little solo episode. Wow. I mean, it, it goes without saying, of course, that these are very interesting times, uh, to say the least. I was reminded of uh, a quote the other day that life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Oof. This is so true. It, it wasn't that long ago that I was planning on a lot of things, that I had a lot of ideas about the future. And I mean, this is what we do, is we believe our calendars go far out before further than they actually ever get to, you know? And, and we wish for futures that have yet to be realized, only to be met with challenges and and uncertainties. And uncertainty is such a thing that when we're confronted with it is, it's scary. It's scary because most of us live in a comfortable space. We'd rather be unhappy, but comfortable. We'd rather stay in destructive patterns, but be comfortable. We don't like uncertainty, but life requires uncertainty. And, and what I certainly know is that everything that is expansive everything that requires us to grow, everything that makes us more grand, more loud, more developed, more integrated, more all the things more, is leaning on the edge of uncertainty. I hope and I wish that if there is something that we learn through this, I have lots of thoughts on uh, that are flowing through me, but if there's one thing that we are learning is to increase our tolerance for uncertainty. And it's not optional. You know, everybody is getting this lesson right now. If you're a human, you are not free from the realities of what's happening right now. You can't, you can't not know. You can't pretend that what's happening is not happening. And then, of course, is the reality that everybody is being impacted by this differently. And so I want to acknowledge that there are so many different ways we're being impacted by this. How are we going to get, how are people going to get their next meal? Are we going to be able to pay our rent? And depending on where you live in the world and where you're listening to that, that experience is different for you. And I recognize that. I am Canadian. I live in Canada. I am, you know, I very much have a lot of privilege, and I recognize that. Even in how I first experienced what's going on right now is I really thought, like, what is this teaching us? And it's like, oh, Jesus, like, get off the spiritual bypassing bandwagon, right? It's like, feel it first. You have to feel everything before it can teach you. You have to sit with it. And I recognize that we so want to jump the lesson or jump to the lesson because at least I can speak for myself. We don't want to sit in the discomfort of what's true. And what's true is that things are pretty scary right now. And there's a lot of fear right now. It's reminding us of so many things. How fleeting life is. How fleeting it is. How each moment is such a gift 
it's reminding us of how busy we are with life trying to get more shit and build this capitalistic fucking get, 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 get status, get stuff. But none of that matters. You know, when we're stripped away of everything, it's always how we love that matters most. It's always how we showed up for ourselves, for other people that matter most. That's the trail we want to leave, is one of impact that left people better than we found them. You know, and I, I sit with the discomfort of the scary feelings, and I think about where else do we run from discomfort? You know, I was listening to, uh, I forget who was speaking yesterday, I was watching a video, and they were saying that, you know, we're such privileged generations. Of course, that's true depending on where you live in the world, so I want to be cognizant of that. But, like, I'm 41. I have not lived through a war or a pandemic. I'm in the middle of what is seemingly um, a significant pandemic. Um, but I've not lived through one. And I, I think what's so fascinating about this is that you know, you think when people were in World War One and World War Two, and maybe some of you listening were in, or, you know, we certainly had family who were, my mother's grandmother died uh, from the Spanish flu. And, you know, like, there is certainly be an impact in our lineage. But, you know, when you're, when you were alive in World War Two, and you're not knowing when the end of that war is, there's no predictability to your safety. Everything is by the day, by the moment. And you have to be so present to life. You have to be present to the gift of life because you can't get out of that moment because no future is promised to you. And you know that for certain because someone else is deciding or something else is deciding potentially whether you'll still be here. And this is certainly bringing us back to a connection with our mortality, with our impermanence. And I think this really brings forward what I find very fascinating is to think about the, you know, where do we go? We don't know that. That's the one thing about life that is so weird is that it ends. And it's almost like, it seems like such a punishment sometimes that you fall in love with all these things and people and experiences and you experience, of course, the array of, of humanness. And then it's gone. And I don't know where it goes. And isn't that the great mystery? But what I do know is we are being invited, being invited to step into resilience to build grit, to build perseverance, to lean on our edge. I think it's a quote from Glennon Doyle where she talks about how be messy, show up anyways. You know, this is hard. So what? Show up anyways. That's such the invitation that's being given to us right now, which is not to minimize the challenges that are happening, but to say, this is what defines who we are. You know, and we very much are all processing this differently. I think about that from a relational perspective, you know. Some people are super chill about it, and other people are super anxious about it. And there's no right way how to process or be present right now. There's just your way. It's just my way. 
And it's going to bring up a lot of stuff for us uh, for a number of reasons. One, we're chilling in our houses. You know, chilling is the wrong word, but we're, I'll just use chilling to be optimistic here. But, you know, we're like kicking it in our houses with our significant other. And how do you create space where there is none? You know, you have to learn boundaries. You have to learn how to put space and say what you need and go to a room and close the door and meditate and read a book and make time for yourself, work out where you're allowed to go for walks by yourself. Prioritize yourself, love yourself, invest in yourself, which doesn't need to require money. It just requires presence. You know, if you want to hide away a feeling you're experiencing, that's a You know, that's the work, is sitting with them. Allowing all of the complexity of you to exist. You know, there's so much opportunity for learning language around our emotions. You know, I speak a lot about how feelings are just information. They're information, and we're getting a lot of information right now. And, you know, a lot of feelings. And it's so important that we see that when we say something like, I am mad, then you have to become it. I am is the words of identity. And so everything you say after I am, you must become. And every time you say I am something, you at the same time can't not be that thing, if that makes sense. So to allow more space for you and to separate yourself from your feelings is to start to say things like, I feel angry. That's a feeling. That's not who you are. And if you want to get even better at it, you extend it to a part of me feels You are complex, and you must find language to create space for your complexity. A part of me feels anxious. A part of me feels excited. Whoa. And then there's judgment for the feeling you might have. Some of us might be experiencing joy sometimes. And, well, how could you be so joyous as everything's coming along, right? We want to judge our own feelings. People judge our feelings. But you have the right to your feelings. They're yours. They're information, though. And that's why it invites the inquiry to your feelings. Why are you here? What are you asking of me? How are you asking me to move? You know, you think of emotion, to evoke motion. When you disconnect from your feelings, you disconnect from yourself. You disconnect from the truth. And when you pretend that you don't feel some way, then you're not in reality. And it's a quick way to separate from yourself, and then you wonder why you're anxious or depressed, think of the word depressed, to depress. So this is a real big invitation to explore ourselves, to get to know ourselves, to pay attention to how we respond to things, to see that if one person is responding anxiously and the other person is responding all cool, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for us to get to know ourselves better and the people who we're interacting with. I notice you've been really anxious. What's making you most anxious about what's happening? And to someone who's laid back, how do you do it? How do you experience that that way? To people who are really laid back, I'd invite some inquiry into disassociation. Like, are you so laid back or are you just, if someone else's anxiety triggers you, then it's likely that you have anxiety living within you that you're not acknowledging. So what they're feeling is making you, is bringing up a feeling for you you don't like. So you begin to ask questions. Where else do you disconnect from how you truly feel and play cool? And for anxious people who are trying to seek overt control over things, to over control other things, 
Your routines might get tighter. You might work out way more. It's so important to just, for all of these responses, to just breathe and enter into inquiry. Where do I try to control my life? What happens when I have experienced a loss of control in the past? What did it lead to? Often we try to over-control life when things have happened in our lives, like someone has died unexpectedly or someone in our family got cancer and we couldn't control it. And so we try to control the things that we can, but we over-control them, hoping that it gives us some grip on reality, some grip on control of how life unfolds. But what we are learning from this is that life is unpredictable. And no matter how chill you are or how controlled you are, you can't stop the flow of what's happening. You can only flow with it. You can only flow with it. And it's scary to let go. It's scary to trust, you know, and it's scary to feel all the feelings. And then to step to the space of asking, what could this be inviting of me? What could this be teaching me? You think about what uncertainty requires to be able to lean into uncertainty is the same skill of what expands us into our dreams, into having a hard, vulnerable conversation. It's the same thing, is that we must lean into a new behavior, a new way of being. We must lean into the edge. And so we can learn that here. I wrote the other day um, a draft for a newsletter. And then I sent it to my team who are just incredible. And they're like, uh, this is why you must surround yourself with diverse, amazing thinkers. Because all of them were like, uh, and you know, when anyone goes, uh, and you're like, hey, did you like what I just shared with you? Like if you share food with someone and they're like, uh, and you're like, okay, you didn't like it. So they all did that. It was great. It was in unison, like a chorus. And, and then they gave me some feedback and that it was not uh, sensitive yet. And I realized that in the, the bypassing of the feeling of the things and the sensitivity, um, I was just bypassing the discomfort for myself. However, I feel that, like this is fitting now, um, what I wrote, and I wanted to share it with you. I know this goes without saying, but I need to say it. These are interesting times, aren't they? That seems to be about the greatest understatement possible. However, interesting encapsulates what I hope for, that we can be both vigilant and curious. These moments are going to test us and make us wiser and more integrated beings. I can feel my body want to be anxious. I can feel the overwhelming information that we are being inundated with that is saying, be afraid. And for sure, there are parts of me that sense that fear and feel it. And I also know fear doesn't allow me to think as clearly. So how do I both hold fear and still listen and make conscious decisions? Phew, this is challenging work. This is the same work as holding a trigger and choosing loving, more connective behaviors. The practice of choosing how we respond rather than reacting without choosing whether that reaction is the appropriate one. Of course, we should be cognizant of the risk present to us right now. We should ask, how can we support those in need? 
There are real realities about the future of our lives, our work, our food, our safety. From a health perspective, we should isolate ourselves with people we love. We should stay away from those who have compromised immune systems so we don't put them at risk. The choices we make today determine our future always. Will we support our neighbor in need? Will we stand in unity with our community while holding on to our sovereignty? We can use this time to learn more about ourselves. Let's explore how our bodies are feeling. Let's observe how fear desires to take us over. Let's explore where feelings live within us. Let's inquire as to what is truly important to us. Let's do an inventory of our lives and audit what people and behaviors do we want to keep and which do we want to let go of. Let's see how fear has chosen our lives in other areas. Let's dance in the dominion of our own sovereignty. Let's protect and honor the collective while holding on to ourselves. Let's create some love from within. It is in these moments of chaos and transition that we are invited to face the truth that time and health are very precious things. Sometimes it takes these experiences to realize how fleeting life really is. And because life is fleeting, we are never promised any future. And the question we must ask ourselves now is, what are we waiting for? Why are we delaying becoming fully expressed in all of ourselves? I used to work in the areas of oncology and hematology, and I was always so curious as to why it was at the end of our lives that we were so truly motivated and fueled to live. In the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying, by the author Bronnie Ware, she talks about the five most common regrets that she heard in patients nearing the end of their life as she worked as a palliative care nurse. The five regrets were, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wish that I'd let myself be happier. Do you notice how many are relational and emotional? In the Harvard study of adult development, it wasn't your cholesterol, your blood pressure that predicted your health at 80. It was the quality of your relationships at age 50. And not just romantic relationships, relationships of all kinds. Because how we love matters. How we relate matters. And now, in this moment, we have the opportunity to truly face what matters. There's a great quote from Dr. Wayne Dyer. That is, don't die with the music still inside you. I'm blessed, and now I'm speaking freely, I'm not reading what I'd written. Um, I am blessed to have woken up to the reality of who I was being young. Just 27 years old was when I started to think about why I thought the way I thought. And I started to think about, like, why do I do what I do? And for some of us, they wake up earlier. Some of you are probably 21, 22. I mean, shit, if you're like 18 thinking about that stuff. Woo, I certainly wasn't. I was thinking about usually the flesh, you know. And some of us wake up older. But the point is, is that we are invited to wake up. We are invited to ask hard questions. We are invited to look at what are we holding on to? Like, what is the point of not becoming fully expressed now? 
Like, what is the point? What is the point of not pursuing that dream? Like, the greatest gift of facing death is that you're truly free. You have nothing to lose. Because if you fear death, you fear living. Just like if you fear heartbreak, you, f- you fear love. And so both of those fears, if you don't fully confront heartbreak and what it means and why it takes, you know, like when you go through a breakup and you lose your lover, you don't lose love. There's no less love in the world. You lose an object of love. And that's such an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? That, that nothing has changed about you. You're just taught that you need, you need evidence that you're worthy of being chosen, that you're lovable, because you think love lives in the existence of the mirror of, if you don't have them, then you're not in love. You are love. And I would argue that the universe removes everything you place your worth in to remind you that it doesn't live there. And that's been some hard processing, you know? I say that with so much empathy and grace and understanding because she that's been the journey I've been in you know you lose your partner and then you realize holy shit they were filling some holes that I hadn't loved there's a lot of puns in there but you know what I'm saying that the space they took up is a space I need to feel and when you think about that no one completes us all they do is put a plug in the space where the wound is And that is the shift that occurs when you start to pursue people from a place of they don't need to complete you. You don't need them to be a band-aid to your pain. You don't need them to remind you that love exists. When you do the deep work within yourself, when you face the seeming end and you become fully expressed, then you are living full-out love. You are love. And I know that sounds like a cheddar ball factory, but I really mean it. I really mean it. If there is one thing we can learn from all of this, I said, is to learn to live on the edge of uncertainty and discomfort. And within that is knowing that you have nothing to lose. That if we can all just face that we are all facing the ends of our lives always, this is just a true marker. This is just a true mirror and expression of that. But it's true always. You never know what can get you. But instead of being overwhelmed with the anxieties of all these truths, we can breathe into that and recognize the plethora and complexity of our humanness and say, yeah, I'm anxious, but I'm I'm also ready for some shit. I'm ready to do some. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to be. I'm ready to share. I'm ready to stop putting up with bullshit. I'm ready to become fully expressed. And I hope that through all of this, as I go through it with you, that we remember how important each other are, how important community is, how important treating our planet with respect is. And I hope, and I don't say this with any sort of conspiracy theory stuff, but I hope that as we watch our civil liberties be taken away in order to protect the people who have compromised immune systems and the elderly, which is so important that we protect them, that we also remember that we're only allowing them to be frozen temporarily, but we want them fucking back when we're back to normal. Don't forget that. Be mindful of what you allow your governments to approve right now. And I don't say that to be like conspiracy theorist, okay? I'm saying that to be real. 
Little secret laws get passed all the time in times like this. And you have to remember that you're, your government is not your parent and you're some little kid who doesn't know what's best for you. Maintain being the authority of your life. Maintain conscious control of who you are. Don't allow fear to take away from inquiry and curiosity and making good decisions still. Take deep breaths and really practice being present right now. It is with so much love that I meet you this week. And I'm walking through this with you. And don't forget to send messages to the people you love. FaceTime them, connect with them. Even the people who you think are just fine, they might not be. But especially reach out to the people that you know are a little more delicate and send them a message. Thanks to all of you for being such a wonderful community and such an amazing group that is always so interested in bettering yourself. You know, as we do this work to improve and expand ourselves in the face of challenge and adversity, we are really doing such beautiful healing work. We are living embodied unconditional love. And that makes me pretty damn excited. Big love.